0: Hallelujah. Praise the Lord it's good to be back in the house of the Lord again tonight and we've been really blessed uh, with the fellowship we've had with the uh, butchers and with the church as well. It's wonderful to be here. We let Ellen talk last this morning, so we won't let her talk tonight. No. <laughs> <laughs> She'll just tell you Jesus is
1: coming. (laughs) I believe it, don't you? Amen, amen. He is a good and wonderful, wonderful saviour. And you know, you are so blessed to be here tonight. When you come in to the kingdom of God, when you are born again, you come in and you are part of the most wonderful family that has ever walked this earth. You are a special people. You are a called out people. You belong to him, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Isn't it wonderful to have a dad like that? Even when, when you're 70 like me, he's my dad. And he is alive and well. And if I can leave anything with you tonight, keep on keeping on. Stay true to Jesus. You will never find anybody else like him in all the world. I know if we've got young married couples here tonight, and I think of Chelsea and her husband, and they think there's nobody else like each other. They think, she thinks he's wonderful and She got a shock when she found that he leaves his dirty socks on the floor, doesn't pick them up and put them in the dirty clothes basket. But she thinks the sun shines out of him, and he thinks she is extra wonderful and gorgeous. And so they are. I love my hoggy, believe me. We've been married 47 years, and it gets better and better. But there's nobody like my Lord. Nobody like my Jesus. All right, don't ever forget there is nobody like our Jesus. And if you will just keep on keeping on, don't, don't miss coming to the house of God unless it's dire. Don't miss coming to the house of God because we build one another up. We encourage one another and do that. Hopefully next year we'll be back to see you again. I hope so. I want to see you all here, but I want to see this place filled to overflowing with new faces. And when people come in here and they feel God's love through you, they want to stay. They want to get acquainted. They want to find this one that you have found. He is somebody special. He is somebody awesome. And he loves me. Oh, and it takes a special somebody to love somebody like me but he is a good God. He is no respecter of persons. He is just wonderful and altogether lovely. And may the Lord bless you richly and keep you in his hands.
0: Praise the Lord. I'm, I'm, I um, want to talk to the saints again. I, I, I actually, I, I was thinking about preaching on salvation, which you'd all, all, Uh, believe in but i i really feel like i want to talk to the church again and uh, so uh, i want you to understand what we have is a treasure and we used to sing a song what's that i hear is it the sound of the trumpet and i don't know when we last sang that but that's an old song you know you young fellows don't know it. some of us old people know it and when we sang that song you felt like jesus could come right now and I still feel like Jesus can come right now. And uh, it doesn't matter how long you've been walking with him, you've come too far to turn back. And I, I'm, I'm just one of those silly people that think that Jesus is coming anytime. Uh, we're flying back to Melbourne tomorrow. Jesus could come before the flight. Uh, that's just what I believe. And, uh, and uh, uh, he's touched our lives. Uh, you look at us and you think we're weirdos. And we are. But he's, he's really changed us. We were like him. No, we, we were, you know. He's changed us. And when, when he got a hold of us, he got a hold of a very strange couple. But he loves us. And we have, we have not given up anything of any consequence to get a good relationship with God. And the thing we need most of all, all is that relationship. This thing is personal. You know, we're a church that loves Jesus, but because it, we're a church because you love Jesus. We need to have a personal relationship. And this personal relationship with God needs to be something that is of utmost importance to us. We will not compromise it. We will not let it go. So tonight I want to um, talk to you about a man... Uh, in First Kings chapter 21 and um, I've got some scripture to read but First Kings chapter 21 uh, verses 1 to 8 we're going to start with and I want to talk to you about a man called Naboth and I really want to challenge you uh, this story is not altogether it hasn't got uh, in some ways a good outcome but for Naboth he's on the right side and it doesn't matter the consequences. And we are in an age where Jesus is coming again. Um, I'm off my notes, so we're in trouble. In in Melbourne, they have a pro- program called Safe Schools. And uh, Safe Schools, uh, they wanted to introduce it in all the schools in Australia. Some states uh, backed out a little bit. But, but uh, the, the premier of um, Victoria is very anti-Christian, and uh, he he is absolutely sold on safe schools. Now, part of safe schools is that uh, the school that my grandchildren were going to, uh, when they had a free dress day, a boy at that school came dressed as a girl, and that's a good thing as far as the state government is concerned. That's a beautiful thing. But for us, it's not so beautiful because we have a different concept of right and wrong. Uh, And so my daughter was very concerned about what do we do with this? So she started to look around and she found that there was uh, an Assemblies of God school, a brand new school that opened, uh, that they were offering special prices because we're in a poor area. They were offering a special price for poor people to go to college. And uh, they get special prices, not for one year, but for the whole, their whole education because they're coming into the school right at the beginning. So she t- took hold of that because we're different. And uh, we, want, we want our grandchildren to grow up understanding that we have principles. And, uh, and we want to be different to this world. And if it's going to cost us something, we need to make the s- stand. Now, I don't know that those kids will get through their schooling because Jesus is coming back. And I think with the laws that we're seeing made in Australia even, that it's telling me Jesus is coming again. But we need to be people that have made up minds and it doesn't matter the cost. Uh, if, it, if, if we have to, if we have to um, be martyred for the kingdom of God, we need to have a made up mind that whatever the price, if it's martyrdom, it's martyrdom. If it's uh, that we can't go here or we can't go there. We're going to accept those things because we are children of God. And we, this that we have, this that we have is better than Naboth had. Naboth had a vineyard, but we've got something better. We've got the Holy Ghost in us. Uh, and, and he, he convicts, he, he guides, he leads, he, he prompts us. We can't afford to give that up for anything. So I want to just talk about uh, Naboth. This evening. Father, we just pray that you would bless us as we look into your word. And Lord, uh, once again, we're looking uh, this time in the Old Testament, but Lord, we understand that, uh, Lord, these uh, things uh, happened uh, for our guidance, for our direction. Lord, we just pray that we can get something uh, out of uh, Naboth's experience, that we can get hold of something for tonight, and Lord, for our lives, and that we would. Uh, have that same conviction that Naboth had. Lord, we just pray that you speak to our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So first Kings chapter twenty one, verses one uh, I'll probably read down to verse seven. And it came to pass after these things that Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard which was in Jezreel, hard by the palace of Ahab king of Samaria. And Ahab spake unto Naboth, saying, Give me thy vineyard, that I may have it for a garden of herbs, because it is near unto my house, and I will give thee for it a better vineyard than it. Or, if it seem good to thee, I will give thee the worth of it in money. And Naboth said unto Ahab, The Lord forbid it me that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto thee. And Ahab came unto his Uh, came into his house heavy and displeased because of the word of which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him for he, he had said I will not give thee the inheritance of my fathers and he laid him down upon his bed and turned away his face and would eat no bread but Jezebel his wife came to him and said unto him why is the spirit so sad that thou eatest no bread And he said unto her, Because I spake unto Naboth the Jezreelite, and said unto him, Give me thy vineyard for money, or else, if it please thee, I will give thee another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give thee my vineyard. And Jezebel, his wife, said unto him, Dost thou now govern this kingdom of Israel? Arise, and eat bread, and let thine heart be merry. I will give thee the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. And if we go down to verse 13, We'll read verses 13 and 14. And There came in two men, children of Belial, and sat before him. And the men of Belial witnessed against him, even against Naboth, in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth did blaspheme God and the king. Then they carried him forth out of the city and stoned him with stones that he died. Then they sent to Jezebel, saying, Naboth is stoned and is dead. And so they think that they've won because they've killed somebody that, that has some conviction in their lives. They think they've achieved everything. And we need to be people, it doesn't matter. We are children of God. We need to have strong convictions. Uh, we, we need to be people that when we are tested, we stand. Uh, we wanna, I want to be, you know, a man preached a long time ago, trophies of, of hell, backsliders that, that, that have fallen away. But I want to be a trophy of heaven. Somebody that, that has stood for what we originally believed in. I want, you to, I want to see you all. When we get to heaven, I want to see Jesus. But I want to see the people of God St- standing. That they get to heaven. They've achieved the result. And it doesn't matter which way we come. We're going to get there because we hang on to our convictions. And we are living in an era where, con- where uh, compromise abounds. Uh, We learn about compromise everywhere. We see it in every facet of life. But as Christians, there should be no compromise. And compromise, when there's a compromise, it's the greater that steps down to the lesser. The lesser doesn't come up. Compromise is always the good coming down to something less than good. And so we need to have made up minds. And we may not be, be being challenged right now, but we need to understand before the challenges come, I'm going to live for Jesus i 'm going to serve jesus doesn't matter the consequences and we we, we have good lives here you know we can ha- have church freely and i'm I'm thankful for those things, but we still need to have made up minds you know, if, pre- if pressures come we're going to hold on to those things. Our Christian heritage is not for sale at any price. I hope that's the way you feel this is this is not saleable what I have is not saleable we actually had a person uh, she was a Jewish woman, and uh, she came and, uh, and we, we uh, gave her a Bible study, but before we gave her the Bible study, um, she wanted to know how much it cost we wanted to do exploring god 's word with her and she wanted to know how much how much it cost because if you went to her her father, who was a rabbi, and you had training from the rabbi on anything, he, you had to pay him for it uh, and so how much does it cost? it's free we don't charge for that we we want to do a bible study with you and so the bible study was done with her exploring god's word was done with her and then she decided she needed to be baptized uh so how much does it cost to be baptized by the stage we got to that kind of thing i was saying to her, salvation is free it's the free gift of god there is no fee on this thing we we get hold of all these things at no cost to ourselves because the price was paid by jesus christ this thing is free but we need to have some uh, convictions on it that still it's not for sale we we got it freely freely we'll give it but we're not going to give it up we're going to hang on to it and so Naboth had a fi- vineyard and it was a uh, an inheritance that was passed down to him from his ancestors and uh, It was a property that uh, possessed more than natural value. It wasn't just something of value, but to Naboth, it was his heritage. It was something that was passed down and passed down, and therefore it wasn't just a piece of land, it was his heritage. And if he had children, he was looking to pass it down to his children and to his children, grandchildren. It would go on and on. It was a heritage. It wasn't just a a parcel of land. And uh, uh, it was something of enduring significance. And uh, it had great value to him. And that was the reason he refused to sell it to Ahab or to Jezebel. He wasn't going to give it up to anybody because it was actually God's gift to his grandchildren grandparents and it had been passed down to him and he was not going to give it up. Uh, I was reading just this week in my daily Bible reading about the Rechabites that were invited to come and have a drink. You remember uh, Jeremiah invited them to come and have have a drink. And they said, I will not do it because our great grandfather said, don't do it. And so we're not going to drink, drink. And God had told Jeremiah to go and invite them to have a drink. And what he was saying was, These men, because their great-great-grandfather had said, don't drink alcohol, they were still saying, we don't drink alcohol and we actually just live in tents because our dad said, that's the way we ought to do it and so we're not going to compromise. And God said, I wish the children of Israel were just the same, that they had some backbone in them that they would hold on to the truths and not compromise them because basically they'd thrown them all away and they, they were going to go into captivity because they cared nothing for the things of God. And uh, it, it only takes money to leave an inheritance. It's just money. It's not hard to, to leave an inheritance. It's just money. But it takes character and spiritual vitality to leave a heritage. And I hope that we are people uh, with character and spiritual vitality so that we can leave something for the next generation. And I I love to be in a church where we see older people and young people as well. Because older people, we want to leave something to the young ones. And should Jesus tarry, we want them to hang on to the same thing. Uh, And not be confused about what did did my parents, what did my grandparents actually believe? But they've got hold of it. My same grandchildren, um, I had to pick them up from school the other day and they said to me assemblies of God uh, they said to me we 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 learn about the trinity today and uh you know i, I said uh, i said you're trying to stir me up <laughs> you know you're trying to fire me right up here and uh they said it didn't make sense it doesn't make sense they're one god you know they're what not nine ten somewhere around that age but it doesn't make sense because they've been indoctrinated. And I believe the Bible teaches one God. I feel very comfortable. When I get to heaven, when I get to heaven, I'm going to see Jesus. And when I see him, I'm going to say to him, my Lord and my God. And there, there's, there, I've actually got a book, I've probably told you, I've got a book at home. And the Father vacates the throne for the Son. And now the Son vacates the throne for the Father. Not in my heaven, there's going to be one in heaven, Jesus there's one throne, one sitting on the throne, and there's, I will not be confused, and I won't, I won't be saying to Jesus, where's your dad? I'll be looking at him and saying, Father, God, and I'll be comfortable. We have a heritage. We need to pass it down to our kids. And, and really, the question is, what will your kids remember? You know, if, if, nothing, if these things aren't important, they're not going to remember. What did we really hold true, and what did we hold as valuable? And they need to know by the way we behave and the, 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 the way we talk that we have things that are very, very important to us. And uh, some individuals in the Bible stood, stood head and shoulders above their peers. And there were others that compromised and caved under worldly pressure and, uh, and they're nothing. But there are some heroes of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, full of people. You know, some of them were sawn asunder. And the Bible says the world was not worthy of them. But they had some backbone, some steel in them, that they believed the promises of God, and they acted on them no matter what the price was. They acted on them. But just a few examples. Uh, David challenged the giant in spite of the Philistine's superior size. David was willing to take him on. Uh, The other man had armor and weapons. He just had a sling, but he knew... uh, in the name of Jesus, all things could be achieved. And uh, he was willing to demonstrate it. He held on to his belief. Gideon he brought down the Midianites and their allies in spite of the, uh, the, the, the amazing odds that were against him. You know, 300 men brought down that army because God was with him. And uh, he, he was a weakling. I actually was almost going to preach on, on him, but he was a weakling. And he had the kind of faith that you know many of us have. We're not Abraham's. We're more we're we're, we're more like him. And uh, and uh, um, but he had a, he had a faith where three hundred men could overcome an army, because God said he was a mighty man of valor, and he actually heard it and thought, I'm not sure whether you're talking about me, but it seems like you are. So I'm going to do what you tell me to do. Three Hebrew children went into the fiery furnace. Uh, they, they did not fear the king's command. And in actual fact, they said to him, whether we, whether we live or whether we perish, we're not going to bow down to your idol because we've got convictions. And, and I believe that when they were thrown into that fiery furnace, they actually didn't know what the outcome was going to be. But they had convictions that whether they burnt or whether they didn't burn, they were going to stand true to God and they were not going to bow to the dictates of the king. And they came out of that with uh, no bonds, no smell of fire on them. Daniel prayed in spite of the lion's den. Uh, He had a conviction. He had such a conviction, those men knew what he was going to do. If we can get this rule passed, we'll get him because he's so predictable with his adoration of God that we will get him. And they didn't have to wait for a week. They would have got him on the first day. As soon as it was passed, they would have gone at the time of prayer and said, there he is. We knew he couldn't resist and they've got him. But he's thrown in the lion's den and he escaped. But there are many. In Hebrews 11, there's many that didn't. That They paid the price. But the question is, in our time, in your life, have you made up your mind you're going to stand for God? And when the pressures come, it's too late when the pressure comes, to decide, well, uh, what am I going to do? You need a made-up mind today that if should pressure come tomorrow or next year or next year? I'm going to stand for God, and it doesn't matter what the pressure is. I'm going to stand for Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 12, verse 20 says, He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. I want to be on Jesus' side. Uh, I want to be on the Lord's side. And, uh, and uh, I, I want to be a part of his team because ultimately God's team is going to get to heaven. There is a heaven to gain. And if we will hang in there, we're going to receive the blessings that he has for us. And we're receiving blessings today. It's not like we're missing out now. We've got everything now. There is no middle ground uh, in Christian conflict. There's no middle ground. We are either on one side or on the other side we're either on the side of right or the side of wrong it's black and white now there's very little information given about Naboth other than he's a Jezreelite. he was just a common farmer Uh, he was not necessarily educated Uh, he was not he was not uh, seen as a great man he was just uh, a vineyard keeper uh, in Jezreel but he did have that backbone of steel. And it's highly likely he he had some good ground in the, in the inheritance he received. It was good ground that he got. And so the grapes of Naboth's vineyard may have been some of the finest in the land. It grew on rich soil. It was a very fertile plain that he was on and he could have had some very great crops. Uh, the the. the, the, the uh, Territory that was allotted to Issachar had some of the most fruitful uh, ground that there was there, evidently. But to him, the possession of land meant more than simply the harvesting of a bountiful crop. Uh, Because uh, it didn't matter how beautiful it was, whether it was good or bad, it was the land that was uh, the gift from God promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So this little parcel of land, it may have been insignificant, but it was the land promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Naboth had a little part of that inheritance. And the interesting thing, it's not actually even his land, it's God's land. And God has given him a portion of it to take care of. And it was in his family's uh, uh, care from generation to generation, it wasn 't just another block of land; it was a treasure to him that was given by God, and we have great treasures. God has given us so much we need to understand i 'm hanging on to this it's not it 's priceless. There is no price. You cannot buy it. I had somebody come to the church just this week. You know we had a good look in, and he do you, I, uh, do, you, do you know any chapels that might be for sale?" I said, "Not this one." Because of the land we've got is the gift of God. If you've seen it, if you haven't seen it, it's still a gift of God. It's beautiful parcel of land. A lot of people want it, but it's not for sale. And uh, the, 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 the council puts a value on it. Doesn't matter. It's not for sale. So it's, this is a gift from God. And I go out and I look at that property. I, I, don't, I, I think Ellen's the same. We look at it. We, we are amazed at this gift that God has given us. Naboth has got something that is given to him by God. And even that land, the church that God's interested in in Limbrook is us. The land's not significant to him. We see it as God's land, but it's, He's not, he, just, he cares about us, not, not the building in this place. He cares about you. you you're what he's putting everything into. Uh, you appreciate this. The people that come are glad to have this, but he, he's putting his his preciousness into you as individuals. And we need to tra- cherish those things. So the Jews were granted the land forever. Genesis chapter 13, verses 14 and 15. And the Lord said unto Abraham, after that lot was separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes, and look from the place where thou art northward and southward and eastward, and westward, for all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it and to thy seed forever. So it's a gift to them forever. Leviticus 28, 38. Leviticus chapter 25, verse 38. I am the Lord your God, which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan and to be your God. And This is a gift to you. And interestingly enough, on the year of Jubilee... Um, people, if they got into debt and uh, they, they, uh, they, they had to sell their land, they could only sell it for a period up to 50 years because of the year of Jubilee, the 50th year, anyone that had lost their land got it back. And so um, if, if, um, if Brother Butcher wanted my property and uh, say there was 40 years to G- Jubilee, he would make a transaction with me that would take into consideration that there's 40 years till Jubilee, then he's got to give it back to me. If it's only 10 years to Jubilee, he would take that into consideration. I would get less for it because he knows in 10 years' time, it's got to go back because this is a perpetual inheritance. So he can get and use it for a period of time uh, um, if we we do a trade on it, but it's not his permanently. Uh, At the year of Jubilee, it has to come back. So Leviticus chapter 25, 23, Leviticus chapter 25, verse 23, and the land, sorry, the land shall not be sold forever for the land is mine for you are strangers and sojourners with me. The land of Israel belongs to God, but he is in, he has given it as an inheritance to the children of Israel to take care of his land. Numbers 36 and seven. So shall not the inheritance of the children of Israel remove from tribe to tribe. To every one of the children of Israel shall keep himself in the inheritance of the tribe of his fathers. You can't get somebody else's. You can't give yours up. It belongs to you. It belongs to them. You can trade it for a period of time, but ultimately it has to come back to you. So the land was a chosen land, a promised land, And it remained uniquely God's, not other people to negotiate about. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 12. A land which the Lord thy God careth for. The eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it from the beginning of the year, even unto the end of the year. And I actually believe that God's eye is still on that land. It's still special to him. So all of Israel is not just another piece of real estate. And uh, this farmer, uh, he was doing more than just tilling it and uh, planting uh, and uh, enjoying it because it was because of the soil. But as a farmer in this uh, period of time, he viewed his land not just as a piece of real estate, but his gift from God. And so Naboth is treasuring it. The sad thing is that a lot of other people at that time were not treasuring it, but he still held on to it. And we may be in the minority, but we need to be hang on to what God has given us. We need to treasure this thing. The doctrines that we have, the experience we have, the promises we have, the touches we have from God, we need to treasure all these things. So for 500 years, Since the time of Joshua, generation after generation of Israelite had treasured their inheritance. They held it as a sacred trust. Naboth saw it as a sacred trust. And they considered their land a God-given possession that came to them with the terms of the covenant relationship. The land represented their relationship to God. This is God's gift to me. It's a treasure Because God loves me so much, he's given me this parcel of land. And I'm not going to give it up because I love him so much. It's part of that relationship. And we, of all people, should be uh, people that have relationship with God. This thing is all about relationship. And so we need to treasure the blessings we get from him because it's showing us that God really does love us. And the things we have, the truths we have, they're treasures, they're gifts from God. And we can't afford to squander them. So Naboth saw the promises and provisions of God for himself and his family in this parcel of land. Ahab could build anywhere. Ahab was the king. He could build anywhere. But the thing with Ahab, Ahab was such a, a wicked king, he didn't care about any of the principles of God. Sounds a bit like the premier of Victoria. Uh, this man, he didn't care about the principles. So he goes up to Naboth and says to Naboth, Naboth, give me your field. Who cares that it's an inher- inheritance? Ahab, somewhere Ahab's got an inheritance. He doesn't care about it. And he doesn't care about Naboth. So he says to Naboth, Naboth, I can give you a better vineyard. This may not be true, but I can give you a better vineyard. You know, if you don't want another vineyard, I'll give you money. And, you know, he may have been prepared to give him a, Fantastic deal, you know. I'll give you plenty of money, but for Naboth, there is no compromise. It doesn't matter how much they want to offer; we will not compromise. I didn't ask the man that knocked on our door whether how much he wanted to give me for the land uh, at at, uh, Limbrook. It's not for sale. You know what's it worth? It's not for sale. And Naboth, it didn't matter what Ahab was going to offer him. It's not for sale. But that wicked king couldn't care less about the principles of God. He didn't care about inheritance. And, and if he'd got hold of Naboth's field at the end of the 50 years, he would never have given it back to him or his family. There was no intention of that because he, he had no time for Yahweh. And so uh, he, he, I think even with speaking to Naboth uh, personally, going up to him, He's putting pressure on and he's the king talking to naboth there's a lot of pressure there for for naboth to honor the king and give him the land but he wasn't going to do it first kings chapter 21 verse 2 we read it before and I, and ahab I spake unto naboth saying give me thy vineyard that I may have it for a garden of herbs because it is near unto my house and I will give thee for it better vineyards that it than it, or if it seem good to thee, I will give thee the worth of it in money. I want to have herbs here. Uh, your place is an ideal place. I want it just for some herbs. It doesn't matter about the value of it to you. It's just uh, it's just something that I can have near my palace uh, that I can enjoy for myself. <clears throat> and so, uh, from a natural point of view, the offer may have looked good to neighbor From a natural point of view could have looked good. A chance to strike a bargain with the king uh, that could lead to great prosperity. It could have looked good to him, but from a spiritual viewpoint, it was all wrong. And there's things that happen in our lives. When you go about tomorrow's business, there's things that can happen in your life that in the natural can look quite okay. But if there's spiritual compromise in it, we need to leave it far alone. Because if we sell the things that God has given us so freely and we give them up so cheaply. What is the eternal consequence of these things? We, we cannot afford the price. When Naboth refused it, he knew, uh, he knew the reputation of Ahab. When he said no to Ahab, he was making a stand that might have meant his life because ahab didn 't know how, how he didn 't get too many nos, and uh, if somebody said no, no to him uh, he didn 't take it very well <clears throat> so Ahab was shocked by the rebellion against uh, that Nahab showed uh, that Naab showed against him, uh, and uh, uh, he 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 was um, Jezebel, his wife, had um, made him give up all his principles. Jezebel uh, was um, uh, an idol worshiper that caused Ahab to give up any godliness that he had for the sake of his wife. And so uh, he he was uh, in that place where nothing was important to him. Ahab had never dealt with a man of Naboth's caliber. And uh, when he refused his inheritance, Ahab did a very strange thing. He went to bed and wouldn't eat and spat the dummy. And he's the king. But Naboth said this in 1 Kings 21 and 3. And Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid it me, that I should give thee the inheritance of my fathers unto thee. I cannot do it, not because men say, or because I just don't want to, but God won't let me do it. And so we need to have principles, Not, not we shouldn't have principles that says, I don't do that because the pastor said I can't. You, if you've got that kind of conviction, it's not going to last very long. There's no use saying, I don't do it because somebody said. I need to have convictions because God says it. And I need to understand the, the, the principles, uh, the, the principles that we hold as a church. They're not held because the pastor said or somebody did. It's because the Word of God says thus and such, and we want to conform to the Word of God. And so, it, the question of compromise: it's not whether Ellen's willing or I'm willing, but is God willing? And God is not willing for compromise. He's not in the business of compromise. He had a, he actually, he had a made up mind. Uh, he was going to obey the king of kings. It's as simple as that. I might be looking at the king, but I'm, I'm going to obey the king of kings. <coughs> and ultimately, he was the Lord's tenant before he was Ahab's subject. This is God's land. I'm looking after it for him. Can't do a deal with you. You might be my king, but he's my, he's my landlord and I do what he says. He was going to be true to his conviction before he broke any law of God. That's that's a strong backbone. And I hope that everyone in this room has that same strong backbone. And when we have convictions, when you have convictions about things, godly things, you're not in an arena where everybody's going to applaud you. They, they, they want to see you fall. They're not there and so impressed. So you, you're in the enemy's camp. When convictions are being challenged, we're still going to stand. It doesn't matter what they think. You're not going to get a pat on the back by the people who work for having your convictions, but you're going, to get, you, you're going to get a good pat on the back from Jesus. And that's the one we want to please. So, we need to be like Naboth. We stand by our convictions. So, we read it before. 1 Kings chapter 21, verses 13 and 14. And there came in two men, children of Belial, and sat before him. And the men of Belial witnessed against him, even against Naboth, in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth did blaspheme God and the king. So, all lies. Then they carried him forth out of the city and stoned him with stones. And then he died, Well, that he died. Then they sent to Jezebel saying, Naboth is stoned and is dead. And the amazing thing is, I actually think one day I'll see Naboth in heaven. Because the story, that's the story just told. But it didn't finish there. And he paid a price. And I hope that we're people that prepared to pay the price, whatever it is. But here's Ahab and Jezebel, they would have held a party because the man is dead. We didn't have to pay for it. We just take it as our own now. And uh, they would have got very excited. Proverbs 23 and 23 tells us, buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. We need to get hold of those things. And when we get hold of them, don't give them up. Don't give them. there's There's nothing of value better than the principles of God. And the world system runs counter to that that is godly and decent. But we're on God's side. I hope I'm looking at people. I'm on God's side. And every every age since the day of Pentecost, the devil has tempted Christians to conform to the world. It's not something new, but he's been tempting Christians to conform to the world. And you are being tempted to conform to the world. Uh, There's a lot of pressure on us today to conform to the principles of the world. We're getting it from our governments. We're getting it from the people we mix with that that pressure to conform to this world. But you need to have made up your mind. I'm going to stand for God. I'm holding on to the principles of God. I'm holding on to this relationship with Jesus Christ. 1 John 2 and 15 tells us, Love not the world neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Romans 12 and 2. Be not conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I don't think it's different wills. It's good, it's acceptable, and it's perfect, the will of God. But we need to be addicted to that. With no compromise. You can't talk me out of it. The call of the world is very subtle, but we need to recognize it. And we're not going to bow to it. There's a saying, every man has his price. Every man has his price. Esau smelled the spicy pottage and gave up his birthright. Judas sold the Savior for 30 pieces of silver. That almost blows my mind. But for 30 pieces of silver. Others have given it up for the price of popularity or fame, wealth or prestige. But what's our price? What's your price? I trust there's no price. I'm not going to give this up for anything. Some of us, we've been walking with the Lord for a long time. And I hope that old fogies you've got a made-up mind you know to i come too far younger ones you may not have been walking very long but jesus is coming back and we've had some good experiences thus far why should i give it up the, the price is too high i cannot afford when i when god cleaned up my my life he lifted a weight off of me that was so heavy i, I don't want to take that back I, lo- I like what i feel in Jesus Christ. What what would I accept to give all that up? I cannot afford to do it. I don't want to do it. It's not going to be done. We have no price. I trust you have made up your mind. There is no price. We can't put a value on ethics or principles. We can't afford to bow to the gods of pleasure in this life or we will only have A life of regret. The value of a human soul is too profound for us to comprehend. What is the value? You know, when somebody's sick, doctors will do anything to keep that that person alive at this stage. They'll do anything to keep that person alive. Why is it? Because they see a value in that person. But we as Christians, we see the value of a soul greater than they see it. God saw the value of a soul that he was willing to robe himself in flesh and go to Calvary. We cannot. What, there is no price that we can give for our soul. Matthew 16, 26, For what is For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? There's nothing. Absolutely nothing. God places tremendous value upon a soul. He paid the highest price and offered the greatest sacrifice to, de- to redeem us from sin. We can't afford to give it up. 1 Peter 1 18 and 19. For as much as you know that you were redeemed with corrupt, with, uh, not with, you were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. He paid a precious price for our redemption. And whatever you are offered for your soul, it's not enough. Because I appreciate the price He paid. I'm not going to squander the price He paid. Uh, There is nothing that I can afford to gain to give up my salvation. The the world, our society condones things that were once uh, condemned. Uh, Preachers, there are preachers around that have compromised in their preaching. They don't preach about the things that are actually important for our soul. But we want to be, I want to be in a church where we preach the truths of Jesus Christ. Uh, We cannot afford to have pastors who are compromisers. Uh, Brother um, uh, Butcher is, is, we want him to be preaching the truth. But part of the truth is in love and mercy and compassion because that's who God is. But we we, we don't want Him to compromise. But at the same time, He doesn't want you to compromise. Don't want to have preachers who just tickle your ears. We need to have preachers who tell us the way it is, the way it really is, people who care for our soul and will declare the way that we ought to walk. And we need to grab hold of those things and understand. They're not for sale in this generation with all the pressures. not for sale. And we need to have uh, the courage to stand against those things that are evil and hold hold firmly to the things that are right. Uh, We need to hold on to our standards of holiness, uh, the truths that are essential. We need to hang on to those things, not not be embarrassed by them, not be uh, pressured by them, but just be doing it because we love God. The motivation, if I really love God, it's going to be easy. But if, I, if I'm letting down my love for God, these things are going to overwhelm us. They're too precious to be battered for the sake of finding some temporal gain. The innocent blood stained the soil just outside the city of Jezreel. And Ahab and Jezebel would have been ecstatic. They would have been so glad that this has happened. But God actually had things in store for them. And, and God actually prophesied of the outcome of Jezebel and Ahab and those things were fulfilled. They didn't gain anything by getting this inheritance. They thought they had everything, but they gained nothing from that inheritance. But Naboth, I still think Naboth has got a treasure in heaven. He's still got his inheritance. He may have lost it on this earth, but he gained it in heaven. And these, the, 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 one, the people who are trying to take your inheritance from you, they're not going to gain anything from it. I want to see them in heaven, to be honest. God, be merciful. Reveal yourself to them. But we, 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 we're simple folk, but we're going to hang on to the promises of God. We're going to be the children that he wants us to be. Let's stand this evening.